Quick announcement before this episode. Got some good stuff for you guys here. This episode, we are joined by Mary Mosier, licensed marriage and family therapist and a person with diabetes living with T1D. She previously visited us on episode 199, where we talked a lot about therapy and trauma and grief associated around diagnosis with diabetes. And we realized there were a lot of things that we didn't have time in that episode to cover that are instrumental to a person with diabetes journey with mental health and also starting therapy. So for November 2022, National Diabetes Awareness Month, we're dedicating our content towards mental health. And we have a new page on diabeticsdoingthings.com, diabeticsdoingthings.com slash mental dash health. So slash mental dash health. And on that page, you can find all of the episodes in this series with Mary Mosier, but also we're going to be posting previous episodes related to mental health on that page. And most of all, during November 2022, we are giving away four scholarships to see Mary Mosier and to get five therapy sessions with her. So four scholarships, five sessions each, say that five times fast, four scholarships, five sessions each. And in order for you to win, you must live in California. So what I'd like for you guys to do is to, if you live in California, go to diabeticsdoingthings.com slash mental health and enter the giveaway or send it to someone that you know with diabetes living in California. There are five episodes in this series, and the first episode is also broadcast in Spanish. So it's our first Spanish-only episode on the podcast. So shout out to Eritrea and for Mary Mosier for being willing to do that in both languages. So again, check out diabeticsdoingthings.com slash mental health during November, National Diabetes Awareness Month 2022. All right, let's get to the episode with Mary Mosier. Okay, Mary, so let's talk about practical advice about therapy. How... If I'm looking to get started with a therapy practice, mm -hmm. how should I do that? So I would for sure encourage you um, to think about like the, the business side maybe first. Like, so am I going to use my insurance if I have it? Um, if I'm wanting to use an out-of-network provider, I need to ask my insurance. I'm working with an out-of-network provider that's going to provide a super bill. What's going to be my reimbursement rate, right? And then your insurance will tell you, we don't reimburse at all. You get 10% of whatever that rate is, right? And then asking the therapist um, or as you're searching, there's a ton of directories like Psychology Today, Therapy for Latinx, Therapy for Black Girls, um, Inclusive Therapist, um, LGBT-specific directories as well. Um, that can be really helpful to kind of help you narrow down um, what kind of provider you're, you're wanting to work for with, not for. <laughs> so for sure, like, if you are like a, a, a certain ethnicity or you're wanting someone to take a holistic approach, I'm going to be looking for holistic approach or like a body awareness therapist. I might work with a somatic therapist. If I'm wanting to do attachment work or inner child healing work. I'm going to be looking for those key words. Um, so it just really depends on like what you are wanting to work on and um, what, how much time you want to dedicate to, to that specific um, work that you're wanting to do, right? So that's for sure. Start. I think too, that's like a perfect... Uh 
transition to the follow-up question because like as a person with diabetes like mm -hmm. is there a specialized type of therapist that i should be looking yeah. for um, yeah so um uh, most folks will have that work uh, uh with folks with medical conditions so they might have um, in their blurb, in their bios, or as a keyword, you can put in like chronic illness. Um, so if someone uh, is, is diagnosed with cancer, you can look for that. Um, and those most folks that um, work with folks with chronic illnesses um, will have that uh, pre-labeled uh, when, when you're looking at their bios. It'll say like, I, I work with LGBT folks or I work with... Uh, folks that have experienced crime or folks of this age range. Like for myself, I, the primary work that I do is somatic work and inner child healing work. And I also clearly state that I work with folks with uh, chronic illness. And it just so happens that I happen to be a diabetic as well. Um, but it, it, those kinds of things are usually clearly labeled in the therapist bios when you're looking at directories. Perfect. And just so listeners know, in the show notes of this episode, you can find links to everything that Mary has mentioned, as well as some other uh, links and resources that we've included to help connect you with uh, the right therapist in your area. Yeah. And then also one, just, just like you just said about the right therapist. So there is an interviewing process, right? So you're going to maybe interview five therapists. For some people, it's like the first one that they really clicked with and they're like, cool, I'm done looking and that's awesome. Other folks might need to talk to a few people and you don't have to commit. I think sometimes people are like, oh, I just spoke with this therapist for 20 minutes. Gosh, now they're going to ask me to schedule. Um, I personally will encourage folks to like talk to whoever and as many people they want to. And then if they feel comfortable um, with me to call me back and, and schedule that session. Um, other therapists will try to get you to schedule it right after that conversation. Um, and that's how they work. And that's okay, too. Um, you can say I'm interviewing a few therapists and I will certainly get back to you. I appreciate you taking to speak with me. Um, and that's also helpful. You're not going to hurt someone's feelings if you tell them, like, I'm going to keep looking. But thank you so much for your time. <laughs> I, I also think and it's a good way to vibe check uh, like how to work with someone because it is work. Uh, you know, like you are like you yeah. mentioned earlier, there's going to be homework. Uh, there's going to be, it's not just the 45 minutes or an hour a week or every other week, yeah. uh, learning what it's like to work with someone, uh, especially yeah. if, you know, if, if that, you know, initial, uh, you know, vibe check seems off, like that's probably a sign that maybe, maybe there's another therapist out there for you. Maybe not always, but you know, just a, a good thing to be mindful of during that yeah. process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause you, I always encourage folks at the start of the call, pay attention to how you're feeling as we're talking. Not all therapists do that, but I think that just in general, like how am I feeling um, as we're talking or are, are they understanding me based off, off their follow-up questions? And then also the questions that you might have for that clinician, like how do you incorporate intersectionality if that's important? Like what's your understanding of my culture if they happen to not be of the same ethnicity? I know sometimes with folks that I work with that are like multi like me, they're like, I know you're multi-ethnic. I might have to explain things to you. Um, you can certainly ask a therapist like who they voted for as well, because we want to feel safe with whoever we're working with. Like 
right? Or like, what are your thoughts on this issue? Because this is concerning for me. So we're not necessarily going to col- collaborate on politics and get like all kinds of deep on it. But you want to you wanna know that the person that you're working with feels safe to you. And if those cultural components are essential, um, you want to talk about that. Like, have you worked with someone that has diabetes or chronic illness? Like, um, how do you support people with this issue? Like, I want to do attachment work. What would that look like if I brought this issue to you? Right. So whatever you can ask, essentially, whatever question um, that you're seeking answers to. I totally agree. And I think if you can't get to that safe space or, or you don't feel comfortable, that's also a sign uh, because yeah. ultimately like in your therapy work, you're going to want to have a safe space to, to unearth those things and deal with them together. And yeah. I think that's a really important piece of it. But I also want to acknowledge that there are probably people listening to this episode who have never experienced a, uh, an appointment with a therapist before uh, and, and gone through that process. So for somebody who's new to therapy, what does that process look like and what should they expect out of a out of a session? Yeah. So say you were like, cool, I like this therapist. Uh, and what you would do is like exchange information. Most, a, a good chunk of therapists these days do everything um, through electronic means. So oftentimes we'll have you set up your profile, fill out um, your history, a little bit about your childhood. Um, just general information like your credit card, debit card info, um, demographics, all that, all those basics. And then like scheduling the time, right, of, of session. So what is, what is that going to look like? What's a good day? Um, and kind of moving from there. And then our, our first session would look like kind of this getting to know you phase. So some folks that I work with will, when they fill out, that that questionnaire it's pretty extensive. Some some questions are heavy, um, so I always let folks know if there's a question that feels like a little bit too much, um, or you're not ready to answer, you can let me know or write in that questionnaire. We'll talk to you about it in session, not on this paper, and that's okay. Um, so that's also something to know. Um, and even as you're going through that getting to know you phase, you can ask therapists more questions, ask to go a little bit more slowly, but really the first session is the time to kind of get to know a little bit about your, your history as, as the client and also ask me questions or ask the therapist questions. Like, I know you said this work or that you do somatic work. What does that look like? Or I know that I need help with managing my anxiety. These are things that I've tried that don't work. Like what, what, what would you suggest? So, and that getting to know you phase, like, for some folks takes a, a longer time. So a few sessions in and for other folks are kind of like, let me tell you about the thing. I, <laughs> I hope you run my questionnaire because I want to talk about the thing today. And that's what we're doing. Right. And oftentimes that first session will include us assessing for safety. Right. So I might ask folks about their suicidal thoughts, um, like self-harm experiences, things like that, just to make sure that you're enough resource um, and you have the supports you need starting on that first day. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and thank you for, for digging into that as well, because I think, uh, you know, our greatest fears lie in the unknown uh, and, you know, people uh, kind of, it might be out of their comfort zone to get and have a personal conversation like that with, you know, who was effectively a stranger on day one. And you, 
build that relationship. And you do it over time. And I think that's another thing yes. that I think is an important question to address is that everybody's time frame doesn't look the same. Um, and sure. I think I and my therapist and I have worked together on different cadences. We've been working together for a little over three years now. And certainly we're not working on the same things that we were working on on day one specifically, mm-hmm. but we've grown in, in our you know therapeutic patient and doctor relationship has evolved over time. So for somebody who's like, you know, just kind of understanding or, or curious about what the commitment might look like, you know, what is what is the right time frame for seeing a therapist? Yeah. So uh, again, depending on like what your need is, the time frame will be different. Um, I know some folks will come in; they are uh, having some difficulties with their financial resources. And like, I know that it is ideal to see a therapist weekly just to kind of build that. Um, relationship a little quicker. However, I don't have the budget for that. How, like, can we start with every other week? So we talk about like, if that's appropriate, not appropriate. Uh, I think that's important to know. And then also some folks will need it for therapy for a specific experience. Other folks will need therapy um, for a longer period of time. Um, And again, there's no like right or wrong length of time. I think if someone's not feeling improvement, Um, or they're feeling really stagnant, like, why is that? Like, is it something that the therapist isn't doing or you're not doing? Or maybe these techniques or this type of therapy uh, is not the best for you realizing that. So sometimes I know folks will say like, well, my therapist said that they didn't want to work with me anymore because they didn't see me improve. And I'm like, probably what they were saying is, maybe you're needing a different type of resource. So they're not breaking up with you. They just want you to get the support you need or or like you with your therapist. Like, I feel like this, I, I don't feel like we're moving. Um, so having that conversation, um, I think is really, really important. And it can feel uncomfortable at first, uh, but my hope is that the therapist will be like, okay, let's get you the right resource. Let's get you uh, a different therapist in this season because you might need that. I agree. And I, and I think I have had some of those conversations with my therapist is like, well, our needs have changed. What do you need? And, and am I the right person for that? I think is a, a curiosity that, uh, you know, for me, I, I love, it was a refreshing time because, uh, you know, there, it was, I was, I felt validated that I had a partner, uh, that was working with me on improvement and they were curious as to how they could, you know, help me with the new challenges that we were facing yeah. and that honestly validated me even more in working together with them longer term just because they were aware of that and it was really nice to hear yeah and i and I, that's such a good thing and, and and i love to hear that that a therapist is asking you know because i think as we're getting um to the the year mark uh, i do like check-ins throughout the year when i'm working with someone uh, uh, as far as like what they're feeling like empowered with or needing extra support or do 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 I need to model that technique a little bit more for you or use myself as the example um, because you feel uncomfortable about doing the the breathing technique with me. So also like paying attention to someone's like temperament and uh, respecting where someone is also, because we don't want to push someone. We, we do want to nudge them a little and be like, Hey, I'm seeing this stuckness. So what are, what are we going to do with this? Right. I can I support you with this, but definitely not feeling like someone's pushing you before you're ready to, I think that that, that would be like a red flag. If you're not feeling heard, you're not feeling comfortable enough to 
to speak your mind, right? Because therapy should be a right. space where you are like saying all the things, <laughs> all the thoughts, all the feelings, right? Yeah, it should be that space where you have that you know, space to be honest and to, you know, you know, yeah. those things that are uncomfortable maybe or are not appropriate in other scenarios. Like this yeah. is your vehicle for that. Yeah. What questions do you ask? And I think this is, you know, the way that I'm, you know, phrasing this is so that, uh, you know, our listeners who are entering into a relationship with a therapist or exploring therapy for the first time aren't as maybe surprised uh, by some of the questions they may get from the therapist that they end up choosing. So what questions do you ask a potential patient before you guys get started? Like what's in your questionnaire, uh, you know, just from a general standpoint? Yeah. So uh, normally when, when someone calls me um, or they email me, they'll kind of put a little bit of a blurb about like what they might want to work on. So I typically will ask them like, what are you feeling like you need support with? Have you had previous therapy experiences? Like what, what's helping with, that experience right now so if someone's like mary i'm really really anxious okay like what's your baseline with with managing your emotions are the people in your life that can support you because i want to know how how resourced someone is as far as their starting point and like what supports they need and what is the experience that you're having that led you to call me um for, for that extra support. So I, I try to keep it um, simple in, in that sense because um, I certainly wouldn't want someone to overshare something and then they're not ready to share it. So I just I even kind of say like, tell me a little bit about what you want to work on and like what resonated with you as far as working with me to see how I can support and just going off from, from that baseline. 